Welcome to the MD Anderson Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Malki Asad, and today we have one of our graduating fellows, Dr. Sarah Denker, to discuss what to look for in a microsurgery fellowship. Dr. Denker finished her plastic surgery training at the Oregon Health and Science University and will be joining the plastic surgery team at the University of Miami. Welcome, Dr. Denker, to the podcast. Thank you, Malki. Glad to be here. I would like to start by asking about the factors that residents should consider when deciding whether they want to pursue a microsurgery fellowship. Uh, In other words, do all residents need a microsurgery fellowship if they want to practice microsurgery after they finish residency? Yeah, so I think it's becoming more and more important to do a microsurgery fellowship if you're at all interested in doing any microsurgery in your career. I actually was on the fence had really good micro training in my residency and I did know that I wanted to do microsurgery in my career and I initially thought that maybe I could get away without it. I was kind of ambivalent about fellowship but all the advice I got from everyone was that I should do a micro fellowship. Even if I hadn't really been considering doing micro in in my career, I think having a fellowship is is really important nowadays. Um, It makes you just more competitive as an applicant and you know if you can find the energy for it, I think it's really important. Excellent. So what are the things that you should be considering when choosing certain fellowships versus another when applying and when interviewing? So in terms of applying, I think it's feasible to apply to all the micro fellowships. It, you know, it's easy to do. It's just, it's an extra small fee for like, you know, whatever number of applications. Um, but I think that that is worthwhile. I think I applied to almost all fellowships but I would say just err on the side of applying very broadly. In fact, I almost didn't apply for the MB Anderson Fellowship because I was intimidated by it and there are a lot of reasons for that, but ultimately decided to apply, you know, at least, and then decided to interview. And during that process, my goals kind of came into focus. Um, I learned a lot about myself actually during the interview process that was really key for me in deciding where to go and I think just don't limit yourself. So apply broadly. And then I would also recommend interviewing broadly, unless you have a very specific set of criteria, like I can only be in this state because of, you know, my family or whatever reason there is, but I didn't have any of those restrictions, which was, you know, which was great and gave me the opportunity to really figure out what, what I wanted and where I wanted my career to go. So that brings us to the next question, which is, what do I look for when ranking the fellowships? For example, if you apply broadly and you don't have specific interest in a certain fellowship, what the factors do I consider to rank a certain fellowship versus higher versus another? So this was a topic I had particular interest in because I went through this like kind of transformation through my interview process um, from like not at all being interested in a fellowship, you know, to ranking it first because I just like knew it was where I wanted to be. So m- my background Again, I had a lot of microsurgical experience in my residency. I felt very comfortable under the microscope. I still wanted more experience raising flaps, but like the you know technical part of like doing microsurgery, I was I was fairly comfortable with. Of course, you know I knew that there was more to to learn, and that is in part what drove me to do a fellowship. But I decided that I wanted to be more proficient and to just have it be kind of second nature. So in deciding on a fellowship, so again, this is assuming you've kind of kept your options open, you've applied broadly and interviewed broadly. You learn a lot um, during the interview process about the different fellowships. 
one thing that I didn't really know, or I didn't know how important uh, volume versus like the quality of the cases you're doing was, it comes up a lot. So every fellowship will tell you, this is the number of flaps we do on average per year. And then this is kind of the distribution of them, breast versus head and neck versus extremity versus lymphedema, um, et cetera. And a lot of places will suggest that it's important to get as many flaps as possible. And it is important to have a high volume. What I now know kind of in retrospect is that at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, it was more important to have a higher variety of cases, um, but also like complexity and, and difficulty of the cases, because I felt like that's where my skills really advanced was in those particularly like challenging cases, like these multiply reoperated patients who have had radiation and these really complex defects that are like multi-dimensional and require like a composite flap and you're doing, you know, partially pedicled flaps and free flaps to, to reconstruct these defects. And like these complex cases that require take backs and, you know, a lot of what you learn in micro fellowship, how to troubleshoot a, a flap in trouble. And if you're just doing like standard flaps day in and day out, I, you get less of that exposure. So I would say like if you have, you know, some people do still want a high volume and maybe that's because they didn't get a lot of microsurgical experience in residency and that's valid. However, I, I feel like you still learn the process. Like you only need to do so many flaps to feel comfortable with the steps of the flap, of like raising it, doing the micro, but then like really delving into these complex cases, at least for me was what was like the most valuable a part of, of what I took away from fellowship. So I'd say like, you know, you, you have to kind of decide that and you may not know, and I didn't know, but like quality versus the characteristics of cases and then volume. Um, the other thing that comes up is the, the distribution of like breast versus head and neck versus other types of cases. And there are very few programs that are gonna offer a higher or like a relatively high percentage of head and neck reconstruction and the understanding being one, um, Sloan Kettering being another. And I actually thought that that was sort of a drawback in initially of, of this program because I, you know, I never like planned on doing head and neck reconstruction. I still don't plan on doing it, but I learned so much from those cases um, because those patients are really complex. I like learned a lot about, you know, head and neck anatomy, which was great for me. And so these cases are just really, really challenging. And so you just learn a lot about microsurgery and how to be a better surgeon, how to like operate under pressure. There's just like a lot of skills that, that come from that. So I'd say, you know, take those things into consideration. I knew that I didn't want to do a fellowship that did only breast surgery. Like the difference between doing like 70 deep flaps and like 150 deep flaps. To me that, you know, those extra cases just, I feel like they can only add so much at this point in our career. So I'd say, look at the range of cases. Most fellowships are going to offer just mostly breast and then the occasional, you know, lymphedema, et cetera. Um, but I, I think it just makes the experience more interesting and more valuable to, to look at the, unless you only want to be a breast surgeon and that's what you know, then like those other fellowships are like great. Um, but that was, that was a decision uh, point for me. So you, the volume and the variety of cases in the institution you're looking for should align with your interest and you're trying to practice after you finish your fellowship. Um, possibly, or just align with, 
Um, so like I said, I'm not going to be doing any head and neck reconstruction, but I'm grateful for the experience I had during those cases. And like, you know, it's just, there's a lot to, to be learned from it. And so maybe, you know, doing something that you don't have experience with, like I didn't have experience with that and, or I had very little in my residency, I had very little lymphedema. So it's, it's, you know, you can, you know, the variety of cases can also be guided by your residency experience. And what you feel you're lacking, but yeah, also like what you ultimately want to do. They're all factors. Great. Now, after we discussed the factor that you should be considering when deciding whether to pursue a fellowship and the factors that goes into the decision of certain fellowship versus another, I'd like to ask you about the ways that a resident can know about more about certain fellowships, because as a resident, you're, you're not in that specific institution and you're not aware of the cases, the volume, the workload. How can you know more? So um, as a resident, uh, you, the thing that I think impacted uh, me most was attending conferences and not, and I didn't always present at these conferences. I, you know, paid out of pocket and I bared a lot of burden to do to, to go to these conferences. Um, but it was super important for me because I met a lot of people. I, it was like where I first was introduced to some faculty at MD Anderson. And so getting to know these programs, like getting to know faces and learning personalities because that's really important. Um, I think you can learn a lot about a program and what your experience might be by interacting with the attendings you know, ahead of time and, and, and seeing how your personalities mesh or, and just like, I learned a lot about this, this specific fellowship at, you know, at a conference, I met Dr. Largo there, for example, and um, that was my, my first introduction to it. And uh, also like going to the talks and learning about what is current, um, is is really important gives you things to talk about during your interview gives you things to, to like talk about for your personal statement obviously it's good for your your cv um so that was that was really uh key for me but you have to go and you have to seek out information and um and you have to let your mentors know at your institution that you're interested in these things so they can help you um i was really lucky because my mentor had a lot of connections and was like very um, aggressive and in introducing me to people. So use the help that you have, seek it out. Um, and yeah, try, you know, obviously research and uh, microsurgery focused types of academic pursuits are, are important. But I, I, I do think like showing face and getting to know people is, is super duper valuable. Do fellowships offer rotations like the ones that medical students do before going into residency? So residents can get a glimpse of the practice in that fellowship? Um, I don't know that there's like a formal way that that is offered. I do know that programs offer that. I don't, I know MD Anderson often has like people coming internationally. I haven't seen any um, specifically, you know, in, from the United States for that purpose, but I, I am sure that programs offer that. And I think that'd be a really good, really good way, one, to learn more about the program, but two, to show, to show interest. And you mentioned that the interview can be a good way for applicants to know about the fellowship. What can applicants ask during that uh, interview to know more about the fellowship? Yeah, so the fellowships will, 
will typically provide you with the with this information that I mentioned before. So like volume of cases, um, they'll usually show like a pie chart with the division of um, of the you know the subcategories of the cases that the fellows are doing, um, and then you know breakdown of like clinic versus OR time. Um, and if you don't get that information, then you, then you should seek it out. Um, spend time with the fellows. Uh, you know, you can usually tell if they're being forthright. Um, when, we inter when I interviewed at MD Anderson, the fellows were very, like, very open and honest about their experience. And I thought that was, you know, really helpful in, in making a decision. But like, you'll just, you'll, you will get a feel. Like some places, you know, MD Anderson, like I had just like a, an amazing interview. It was actually two days. I know things are different now because of COVID and that is like a whole other topic of conversation. So um, obviously things are going to be different, but um, but just, you know, getting a feel for like whether or not these people have like spent time with your application, like little touches like that can make you feel really welcome and wanted. And like during my interview process, I like at MD Anderson, I felt like inspired and I felt wanted and I felt like um, excited. And so I got had all these like kind of visceral feelings that uh, that helped me ultimately decide in addition to like learning about the, you know, all of it, all of these other factors that I thought would be really helpful for my career advancement and for my surgical skill development. Um, yeah, I again like th those are things i didn't know that i like wanted in a fellowship but um through this process i like one learned that i was that like programs like actually seemed to be interested in me which was really great um i met a lot of uh i met all you know it's a small group of people so you meet everyone that you're interviewing with which won't happen unfortunately for for this cohort I, I, or it won't happen to the same degree definitely um, and that was great because then I ended up like knowing all of my co-fellows this year, you know, which there were eight, like I had met all of them before and like had spent quite a bit of time with them. And so that process is really um, special. And um, yeah, so, but we were talking about like how to gather information and how to decide, but I don't know if, I, I don't know if there's something else specific that you want. Really some great points regarding the how you can get to know fellowship more. Now moving on to the factors that can help you match into fellowship. You mentioned that the connections, meeting people in meetings, research can help applicants get into a fellowship. Are there other things that fellowship look for when choosing applicants for their fellowships? Um, yeah, I think that the other thing that I had was good letters. I think that is really important um, and good scores. Uh, well, I don't even know, honestly, if, if scores are, are that important in, in fellowship. Um, like my in-service scores, for example, only came up like during one interview. Otherwise, like I don't even know if people like pay any attention to that. Um, but, you know, having good board scores maybe gets, you know, some the attention of some people. Um, but but really the main, I think the main uh, components of a fellowship application that are really helpful are letters of recommendation, your CV and like your research and uh, presentations and publications, um, people that you know, and you know, the impression that you make during your interview, I think is really, is really important. 
um, because these, this is like the, because there's not really like a rotation, you know, process for most people. Like this might be the first time that you're meeting like your future program director and like so the impression that you make during the interviews, I think is, is really important and um, more so maybe even than residency because in residency you've at least had usually more face time with the people, you know, with the programs that you're interested in. Um, yeah, so get good letters from people who know you well. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's all I can think of about that. Yeah, that's excellent. Does your residency experience play a role into choose, choosing certain fellowships versus others? Um, I think it might make you more inclined, you know, having less volume as a resident might make you more inclined to look for a fellowship that has higher volume of flaps. Um, I, I don't know that that matters all that much. Um, I think like, I think there's a lot of fellowships are, are very similar. Um, and then there's a few that, that are significantly different and, um, and there's no perfect fellowship. That is something that you should probably like, be aware of like before you start that you're not going to find a fellowship that is that has everything that you want um i <clears throat> like and this is a little bit off topic but um like uh the the big negatives about md anderson like i have mentioned before or like the service component being first call um which, which is a real, you know, which is a real factor. That's another thing I haven't, I didn't mention before, which is, which is information you should be gathering during um, your interview process or otherwise is, you know, the call burden, uh, vacation time, uh, vacation time usually doesn't come up because most fellowships treat it the same way, which is, you know, you can, you usually get about three weeks and it is, you have to use that time for interviews and then whatever is left over, you can take for personal time. Um, but yeah, learning about this, the service component of each fellowship is really important. Um, like, you know, rounding responsibilities, like call, you know, all those things. And at MD Anderson, the service components is high. I mean, you're taking primary call, you're taking care of patients, you know, from like their admission until their discharge summary. And that is burdensome. And that, you know, to me, I, I think um, is a, is a turnoff for a lot of people. And it was for me too, initially, but uh, ultimately you have to, you know, you have to make a decision about what you're, what you're willing to sacrifice. And I think to train somewhere like here, um, it was, it was worth that sacrifice, like million, like, you know, a hundred times over, like it was, you, you just have to weigh um, the, you know, the differences in programs and and decide what what you're willing to put up with and and what you want to get out of it perfect moving to our last question for today's episode does your desire to pursue academic career or certain jobs play a role into choosing certain fellowships yeah it's it certainly should so if you're thinking of doing you know if you're thinking of an academic career like you should be doing fellowship i think that's just probably something most people would agree with so um, if, if you're doing a fellowship, you know, and you're not necessarily thinking academics, um, then you have a lot of freedom. Like you can, 
you know, like you can, uh, I mean, I think, you, you know, you have a lot of freedom either way, but when you're anticipating um, an academic career, you should, I think, ideally focus on a program that will, you know, boost your academic resume. So somewhere that is going to encourage, but also allow research, um, like in terms of their, uh, you know, support system. So like, here, for example, is like way different from my residency program where like, you know, research is encouraged and it's required. Um, but the difference here is that uh, it was it was actually quite easy. Like there were a list of, of and you do have to do a, a fellowship, um, a, a fellow project is required at M. Anderson as it is in most programs, but um, you, you know, there's a list of projects basically that you can choose from. And uh, so a lot of it is, you know, is, is kind of streamlined and they keep you honest. They make sure that you um, stay on it. You have to give a presentation at the end of the year. And then we have like this amazing statistician who will like, you just like send her this data set and she will like sends you back this, you know, list of graphs and like explanations and you know, what she did, you know, like basically things that you can like plug into your manuscript and graphs that are like almost ready, you know, to be, uh, plugged in and that kind of resource um i think what to me was just like uh, you know amazing um and makes the makes getting things published a lot easier and so you know a place like and anderson can offer that and not every place can so considerations like that are are important <clears throat> and also the people that you're working with you know there are like 24 faculty here so it's it's very easy to find someone interested in 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 basically any topic. So, uh, I think going for a big program with a big academic footprint and a lot of resources is is um, optimal. So the choice of the fellowship will depend on whether you want certain jobs in certain areas. If you're interested in academic uh, career after fellowship, you should be looking for fellowship that helped you achieve that goal. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. That brings us to the end of our discussion. Dr. Denker, would you like to share any additional thoughts on this topic? Um, not really. I mean, I, I will just kind of echo um, how important it is to keep an open mind. Um, I had like a complete 180 in my process. I learned a lot about myself during the interview process and um, and I like absolutely loved it. And <clears throat> hopefully when things normalize, people will, you know, be able to experience that too. Um, but otherwise I'm happy to answer questions like, you know, if there are any follow-up questions, um, my, should I give my email address? Yeah, if you want to, yeah, you can. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. My email address is sarah, S-A-R-A dot danker, D-A-N-K-E-R at gmail.com. Um, and just wishing everyone the best of luck. That's going to wrap up our discussion for today's episode. I would like to thank you, Dr. Duncan, for joining us today. If you like this podcast, tell your colleagues about it, subscribe, rate us, and review us on the Apple Podcast. You can send your thoughts to masaad at mdanderson.org. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Malki Asad, and this is the MD Anderson Plastic Surgery Podcast.